Chapter Seven of the Mystery of the Pinckney Draft. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mystery of the Pinckney Draft by Charles C. Knott. Chapter Seven, The Plagiarisms. Notwithstanding Madison's ignorance of the contents of the draft and the fallacy of the interface which he drew from the fact that Pinckney did not adhere to all the provisions of a tentative scheme, there remains an objection of the gravest character, susceptible of proof or disproof, which must rest on facts and not be deduced by inferences. The objection that Pinckney framed a provision at one time and disapproved of it at another is easily superable. The objection that there is in the paper a similarity in some cases and an identity in others with details expressions and definitions the results of critical discussion and modifications in the convention which could not have been anticipated is insuperable if it be well founded that is to say if there are details expressions and definitions in the state department copy of the draft which were the results of critical discussion and modifications in the convention which could not have been anticipated then the presumption must be well nigh irrefutable that these details expressions and definitions in the questionable instrument were taken from the constitution and in the absence of extraordinary explanation we shall be compelled to agree with madison that the evidence is irresistible unless indeed it should appear that the expressions and definitions which at first sight appear to have been begun and created in the convention had previously existed in the articles of confederation or in a state constitution or in the resolutions of the continental congress or in some source open to all parties to a right understanding of the circumstances and conditions of the subject of investigation we must bear in mind, when we begin the inquiry, whether there are details, expressions, and definitions in the Pinckney draft, which were the results of critical discussion and modification in the convention, that the Constitution passed through four germinal stages. The first began with Randolph's fifteen resolutions on the 29th of May, and ended on the twenty sixth of july with the twenty three resolutions of the convention the fifteen resolutions had been considered and discussed and modified and expanded into the nineteen resolutions of the committee of the whole june thirteenth and the nineteen resolutions had also been considered and discussed and modified and enlarged into the twenty three resolutions of the convention july twenty sixth never in the history of nations did a deliberative public body strive so philosophically so wisely and well to possess itself of the subjects to be considered to comprehend its task to know what it was doing and to do at the beginning propositions for consideration and discussion were tentatively placed before the convention in an abstract form these propositions were embodied in fifteen resolutions which were immediately referred to the committee of the whole they were taken up one by one and considered and discussed and amended or rejected or adopted or postponed for later consideration 
the abstract of a part of a single day's proceedings will give a clear idea of the way in which the convention worked tuesday june fifth mr randolph's ninth proposition the national judiciary to be chosen by the national legislature disagreed to to hold office during good behavior and to receive a fixed compensation agreed to to have jurisdiction over offenses at sea captures cases of foreigners and citizens of different states of national revenue impeachment of national officers and questions of national peace and harmony postponed at the end of two weeks of such consideration and discussion june thirteenth the committee of the whole reported the conclusions which had so far been reached in the form of nineteen resolutions but everything was still abstract and tentative no line of the constitution had yet been written no provision had yet been agreed upon the nineteen resolutions in like manner were taken up one by one and in like manner considered and discussed and amended or rejected or adopted or postponed other propositions coming from other sources were also considered and so the work went on until july twenty sixth when the conclusions of the convention were referred to the committee of detail and the work of reducing the abstract to the concrete began the convention then adjourned to august sixth to enable the committee to prepare and report the constitution on august sixth the committee of detail reported and furnished every member with a printed copy of the proposed constitution again the work of consideration began and went on as before section by section line by line vexed questions were referred to committees representing every state grand committees they were called amendments were offered changes were made the committee of detail incorporated new and additional matters in their draft until on september eighth the work of construction stopped but not even then did the labors of the convention cease on that day a committee was appointed by ballot to revise the style of and arrange the articles which had been agreed to this committee was afterward known as the committee of style it reported on the twelfth of september and the work of revision again went on until saturday the fifteenth on monday the seventeenth the end was reached and the members of the convention signed the constitution well might franklin exclaim in his farewell words to the convention it astonishes me sir to find the system approaching so near to perfection as it does he had been overruled more than once in the convention provisions which he had proposed had been rejected provisions which he had opposed had been retained but he was a great man and saw that a great work had been accomplished the immutability of the constitution encyclopedia americana the second germinal stage began july twenty sixth with the appointment of a committee the committee of detail for the purpose of reporting a constitution and continued until august twenty sixth 
when Mr. Rutledge delivered in the report of the Committee of Detail a printed copy being at the same time furnished to each member. The committee had retired from the convention with instructions couched in the twenty-three resolutions, and they returned to it with more than half of the Constitution arranged in the form of articles and sections substantially as we have them in the Constitution. The number of provisions contained in the draft greatly exceeded the number of specific instructions set forth in the resolutions, but the excess was not wholly in excess of authority for it had been resolved that the national legislature ought to possess the legislative rights vested in congress by the confederation and moreover to legislate in all the cases for the general interests of the union and also in those to which the states are separately incompetent or in which the harmony of the united states may be interrupted by the exercise of individual legislation when the paper which Rutledge held in his hand as he rose to address the convention on the 6th of August was placed on the table before Washington, the moment witnessed the birth of the Constitution. Provisions which it contained were to be stricken out, and some of the great compromises were yet to be forged and inscribed upon the scroll, but the written Constitution was now in being and yet this is but figurative language. The great state paper which passed from the hand of Rutledge to the hand of Washington was not engrossed on parchment, like a second Magna Carta. It was not attested by signature or date. It was not even in writing. A few pages of printed paper, plain and unpretentious, a mere copy, one of a number of printed copies, as we gather from the record, but it was to receive the severest scrutiny of some of the great men of the world, of Washington, Franklin, Madison, Ellsworth, Wilson, Rutledge, Hamilton. The printed document found in the box which holds the few records of the convention is not unworthy of a great state paper. It is on stately, heavy, handmade paper, ten by fifteen and a half inches in size. The printed matter is five and a quarter inches by twelve and a half. There are seven pages carrying from twenty-seven to fifty-three lines on each. The workmanship is faultless, the type clear, the impression uniform, the ink unfaded, the punctuation careful, the spacing perfect. There are but two typographical errors, one of which is a misnumbering of the articles. In Pinckney's draft, the first article has inscribed over it Article One, and the following articles have only their numbers, two, three, etc. The printer followed the same form, the only difference being that Pinckney, writing the draft with his own hand, used Arabic figures, for which the printer substituted Roman numerals. When he reached the seventh article, he repeated V.I., and when he reached the eighth, he entitled it V.I.I., and continued the error through the remaining articles. Notwithstanding this blemish, I have never seen so faultless a public document. The copy bears this endorsement. Printed Draft of the Constitution, 
received from the President of the United States, March 19, 1796, by Timothy Pickering, Secretary of State. The name of the printer who did his confidential work so well, I regret to say, is not upon the paper. It has been supposed and said that this copy of the draft was Jackson's, the inefficient secretary of the convention, and that he used it to save himself the trouble of writing out the proceedings in the journal by noting amendments on the margin. This, like much other imaginary history, is erroneous. When I first saw the draft of the committee, I observed that the notes on the margin were written in two different hands. I also observed that one of these, though not familiar, was a hand which I had seen before. On calling the attention of Mr. S. B. Crandall of the Bureau of Rolls to it, he instantly recognized this writing as Washington's. A further examination showed that a hundred and fifteen notes and interlineations were written by Washington and seven by Jackson. This copy of the draft was Washington's own copy. Whether he placed the copy among the papers of the convention on September 17, 1787, when the secretary brought them to him, or whether he transferred his own copy to the Secretary of State in 1796, is unknown and probably unascertainable but the endorsement makes it certain that the paper came to the department directly from Washington, and the 115 carefully made amendations in his handwriting are for us the highest evidence in the world of its authenticity. The notes by Jackson are easily explicable. They are lengthy amendments which Washington could not take down from hearing them read, and he handed his printed copy to the secretary to have them correctly and fully written out. For the benefit of those persons who are so fortunate as to have a copy of the Documentary History of the Constitution, Department of State, 1894, I will add that the marginal notes which are in the writing of Jackson are those of Article 5, Section 1, Article 6, Section 3, Section 13, Article 7, Section 1, Article 11, Section 4, Article 15. See Documentary History Constitution, Volume 1, page 285. If the Committee of Detail, Rutledge of South Carolina, Randolph of Virginia, Gorham of Massachusetts, Ellsworth of Connecticut, and Wilson of Pennsylvania, intended to keep their work a profound secret, and the secret to be buried with themselves, they could not have planned better than they did. The work was done in secret. They employed no secretary. Their report was not in writing. After the committee was discharged, no hint or word seems to have escaped them. No man boasted of his own part or disparaged another's. There is no journal which tells us how they worked. No son or daughter or grandchild has revealed a word that any member subsequently said. In 1813, when Edmund Randolph died, the secret of the members of the Committee of Detail died with him. 
The third germinal stage was based on the draft of the Committee of Detail and extended from the 6th of August to the 12th of September. The draft of the committee constituted the divide in the march of the framers. Behind them was the plain of philosophical disquisition on which there had been many contests, but exclusively as to what might be and might not be. Before them were many hills of difficulty to be surmounted in the practical application of abstract propositions by incorporating them in provisions and conditions to be written into the Constitution, but the work of the Convention and the debates of the members were in connection with the drafted Constitution of the Committee of Detail, or in connection with the amendments thereof, or additions thereto. There were indeed new provisions framed sometimes by grand committees, sometimes by special committees, sometimes by the Convention itself, provisions concerning which the Convention had not at first sufficiently instructed the Committee of Detail, provisions which the Convention had not then considered and determined even in the form of abstract propositions. The most difficult of the compromises, that between the large and the small states in the choosing of the President, was effected. In the method first approached by Wilson and rejected by the Convention, June 2nd, that the choice should be made through the agency of electoral colleges, was reconsidered and adopted. The power to try officers impeached by the House of Representatives was taken from the Supreme Court and given to the Senate. The power to appoint ambassadors and judges of the Supreme Court was taken from the Senate and given to the President. The power to appoint the Treasurer of the United States was taken from the legislative branch and given to the executive. And the important treaty-making power, which at first was lodged exclusively in the Senate, was transferred to the executive subject to the ratification of the Senate but all that was considered and agreed upon was attached to the draft of the Committee of Detail. The fourth stage began on the 12th of September with the revised Constitution reported by the Committee appointed to revise the style of and arrange the articles which had been agreed upon, commonly termed the Committee of Style, but which more correctly might have been termed the Committee of Revision. During that and the next three days the Constitution was modified by a number of amendments, chiefly of the nature of corrections. The Committee of Style made no changes other than those of arrangement and language. The correction of the language of the Constitution was masterly and is ascribed by Madison to Governor Morris. On Saturday, the 15th of September, the labors of the convention ended. On Monday the 17th, the engrossed constitution was signed. In his Note to the Plan, Madison specifies some of the details, expressions, and definitions which were framed in the convention, the results of critical discussions that could not have been anticipated by Pinckney, Examples of these similarities and identities, he says, may be noticed in Article Eight, 
which is remarkable also for the circumstance that whilst it specifies the functions of the president no provision is contained in the paper for the election of such an officer these are all the specifications of provisions or of language plagiarized from the constitution by pinckney which madison has filed specifying nothing else we may assume that the plagiarisms contained in article eight were the plagiarisms which dwelt in his own mind and upon which he rested his conclusions these specific charges of plagiarism may be struck down by a single blow not one of the provisions contained in pinckney's article eight was framed in the convention and all were brought before the convention by the draft of the committee of detail all the provisions of the constitution which were framed by the convention were framed subsequently to the sixth of august and belonged to the third and fourth germinal periods all the provisions which are contained in the draft of the committee of detail were framed before the sixth of august and existed before the constructive work of the convention began when the sequence of events is observed the matter is cleared and the phenomenon of madison becomes a simple link in the chain of events pinckney presented his draft to the convention on its first business day before there had been a single critical discussion the convention immediately referred the draft to the committee of the whole which made it accessible to every member of the convention when a committee was appointed to draft a constitution the draft of pinckney was taken from the committee of the whole and referred to the committee of detail the committee found in the draft matter which they needed and they used it as the basis of their own draft as any committee would have done and thus the draft of the committee of detail became the vehicle by means of which these provisions and expressions of pinckney were carried into the constitution if all this were not a matter of record it would be well-nigh unbelievable that madison of all men could have pursued the course he did the most diligent member of the convention the chronicler of its transactions the sole survivor of its members and consequently a witness who should speak with the greatest care and yet we find him at one end of the line ignorant of the contents of pinckney's draft and at the other silent as to the contents and existence of the draft of the committee of detail when he wrote of the coincidence in several instances between that the state department draft and the constitution as adopted and cited article eight as containing remarkable examples of these coincidences he gave unconsciously a curious illustrations of things confounded in the memory after a lapse of more than thirty years in his case after a lapse of more than forty-five years with the fall of these specifications falls the general charge of plagiarism the draft in the state department ends with the draft of the committee of detail whatever coincidences there be of details expressions and definitions are coincidences in the two drafts and in them alone 
the similarities and identities which so impressed madison were merely similarities and identities between the two drafts he doubtless selected article eight as remarkable because he recognized in it provisions and expressions which he knew were in the constitution but there are others in article eight which are not in the constitution and which are inconsistent with it the retention of these is sufficient to refute the idea that pinckney changed his draft to make it conform to the work of the convention article eight provides that the title of the president shall be his excellency there is no such provision in the constitution article eight makes exceptions to the appointing power ambassadors other ministers and judges of the supreme court are not to be appointed by the president but by the senate this was not one of the results arrived at in the convention in case of the death of the president and the death of the president of the senate the speaker of the house of delegates shall exercise the duties of the office here all that pinckney had to do was make his draft conform was to run his pen through the supplementary clause vesting the succession in the speaker the president may be removed from office on impeachment by the house of delegates and conviction in the supreme court here all that pinckney had to do was to erase supreme court and insert senate finally it is to be noted that those expressions and provisions in article eight which caught the eye of madison and were characterized as remarkable were not results of critical discussion and modification in the convention that could not have been anticipated but were provisions and expressions which had been taken by pinckney from the constitutions of new york and massachusetts generally word for word the article provides that the president shall from time to time give information to the legislature of the state of the union and recommend to their consideration the measures he may think necessary that he shall take care that the laws be duly executed that he shall commission all officers and shall nominate and with the consent of the senate appoint officers that he shall have power to grant pardons and reprieves and that he shall be commander-in-chief of the army and navy but each of these provisions was taken from the constitution of new york the article also provides that at entering on the duties of his office he shall take an oath faithfully to execute the duties of president and that he shall be removed from his office on impeachment by the house of delegates but these provisions were taken from the constitution of massachusetts the article also provides that in case of his removal by death resignation or disability the president of the senate shall exercise the duties of his office but this is taken from the constitution of new york in a word when we trace these provisions and expressions to their respective sources there is nothing left of the article article eight is indeed remarkable but it is for reversing the deductions of madison for demonstrating with mathematical certainty so far as it goes 
that pinckney did not make his draught conform to results which had been reached in the convention and which could not have been anticipated end of chapter seven